What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Keeping Stock Sneaker Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gray. I hope you guys are either enjoying your Halloween or the first week of November. I know the election results are coming in. Maybe you feel ecstatic. Maybe you feel a little down. Hopefully this podcast picks you up today. Just want to give you a quick reminder. Keeping Stock is a weekly sneaker podcast providing you the rundown on modern sneaker culture, upcoming releases from your favorite brands, sneaker history, financial analysis, guests, and more in fast-paced 20 to 30-minute podcast episodes. Today's episode, we're going to tackle your favorite app or your most hated app, the Nike Sneakers app. We're going to take a look at what it is, what it's become, some areas for it to improve, and general feelings about the app. So if you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to leave a rating and follow us on your favorite platform. With all that being said, let's get into it. It's 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. You know a shoe is about to release. You're frantically hitting the buy now button. You're looking for your size. You're putting in your password and the payments failed. It just says sorry. It doesn't load. Or you get in and you're pending all day. Or you've won. Very common occurrence that we're used to on the sneakers app. I said 7 a.m. being here on the West Coast Pacific Standard Time. Could be earlier if you're in Hawaii or Alaska, or later if you're on the East Coast and Eastern Standard Time. But we're all on the app at the same time, all for that main goal to purchase another pair of sneakers that we probably don't need, but we're going after for the purposes of to wear, or some of you to resell, or for the nostalgic value of that shoe. But where did sneakers begin and how did it get so big? You have to go all the way back half a decade to 2015 is when sneakers released it was kind of the first of its type app to come out it made things a little bit more fair as in 2015 nike saw the future of what bots were doing to websites freezing them taking them down the stagnation and making the purchase process absolutely terrible for the user experience and the user so nike releases the sneakers app in 2015 in an aim to streamline all of their premium releases in one area to make it a one-stop shop with an easy checkout process. The word you have to keep an eye on here is it's premium shoes. There's also the Nike Plus app or the Nike app that has more general releases and you're basically browsing the Nike website in an app form on your iPhone or Android or whatever phone you have. The sneakers app does have a plethora of release styles. You have first come first serve where the release time hits and you try to buy them as soon as possible. You either go into pending or you get straight through and you get that so common got them or didn't get a message, which can be better or worse depending on the volume and the demand for that shoe. Then for the hyper strikes and the quick strikes that Nike's already forecasted to be kind of a mess, they do the draw. It used to be an hour. They used to give you an hour to check in and get the opportunity to enter yourself for this raffle-like system, this digital raffle. Now it's about 10 minutes, 15 minutes to cut down on the attempts of multiple accounts or bots entering during that hour time. As we know, the draw, you enter, you get your results. Once that timer goes up, you win or you didn't win. Tries to make it a little bit more equal. Is it really? We're not sure. Then you get your location-specific or stash releases. And if we're being honest here, basically it's just Chicago and New York that see these. 
occasionally LA is going to get a stash release. It doesn't happen very often, and if it does, it's not that great of a shoe, or it's eaten up in a minute. I mean, those location releases go up so quick that you really don't have a chance unless you're right on the app within three or four minutes of it happening. They also do these with special events like All-Star Weekends and the cities that they're in, or they did for Travis Scott and in Houston, just to make it more specific and give more energy to that release. Then you get the shock drops, where peers that happen out of nowhere, if you follow the right accounts on Twitter, they're going to give you a heads up that a shock drop may be coming within the next 15 to 5 minutes. You also get the early access. I don't know how they're dividing that up, but people get early access to hype releases, non-hype releases, or in some cases, you may have never got early access before, which is something we'll talk about a little bit later. Ultimately, you go through one of these release styles, and then the thing that's made sneakers a little bit bigger is the social sharing. That got them screen or didn't get them screen has transformed into a meme or a way of flexing or bragging or just simply sharing on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, highlighting, hey, I got this really sought after release, this prize. I'm going to share with my friends. Now your friends, who may not be aware of sneakers, now understand, oh, this is a cool prize. What is this app? It's sneakers. Maybe I'll use it. Further, you know, within sneakers in the Nike app, you create your profile you have men, women, you put in your size, your interests, your favorite teams. Further, helping build that community, giving sneakers much more data. Again, we'll talk about a little bit later. The amount of data sneakers has on you is phenomenal. But once again, it's never really utilized in, or benefits you in any sort of way. So strictly, it's basically win or lose, buy or not to buy, and then share sneakers has been working. But what we do know is that sneakers can select users from profile settings or historical data. Look at the recent release of the Women's Off-White 4s. That was given early access to a select group of profiles that were designated as women because it was a woman's silhouette and colorway in the initial release. So it gave access to women to get a fair chance to purchase a shoe from all of the other entrants or male profiles that are trying to purchase that shoe to wear or to sell. They're looking at historical data, just like this recent upcoming release of the Nike Kyrie 7 in the mystery box, which oddly enough, we talked about a few episodes back about how the sneaker industries can learn from what trading cards is doing. And in this release, if you've purchased a Kyrie product before, they aren't very specific to which products, that you have a chance to take part in this mystery box where you purchase the mystery box and you get one of four colorways which is a pro and a con that can help sneakers down the line if they continue with that strategy however now that we know that sneakers can look at that data or historical data profile information and select users it makes you wonder if there's any other attributes going into a certain user's win or loss purchase or not to purchase overall we know there's an insane volume on sneakers it feels like it's one-to-one. -one. It's you and only a couple other people that are using it. But sneakers has been used, the hashtag, over a million times on Instagram and Twitter. And so I think from any given time, there could be 10,000 to 250,000 people trying to go for a release. This is an actual people. It also includes bots that have found their way around the system. It may count in, you know, significant others 
who owe a favor to someone and is trying to get this hyped or demand shoe. Overall, the more demand, the bigger the hype is for a signature shoe or a silhouette or a quick strike, you're going to see more people enter the sneakers market that typically aren't there for their other regular or normal releases. The more times you see it on social media, the likely the demand is going to be much, much higher. An example of this, an evidence of this is when I was working in retail and every year the Jordan 11 comes out in December. In this example, we got 36 pairs, smaller shop. Typically for raffles, we'd get about 28, 30 raffle ticket entrants, maybe sometimes going up to 60 or 70 for those 36 pairs in their sizes. However, holiday releases, this example, the Jordan 11, we would see 600, 700 raffle tickets coming in for 36 pairs of Jordan 11s. And the reason why is because the people who wanted those shoes, one, put in their own tickets, two, put it on their wish list. So significant others came in and put in their tickets, family members put in tickets, extended friends put in tickets, people who owed favors put in tickets, random people that they worked with, co-workers put in tickets, people they met walking into the store put in tickets, all for that one person. So you can see as that compounds, the more and more people are utilizing the app, or this raffle in this case, to get that sneaker. So if historically an off-white Jordan is going to sell for plus or minus $600, more people are going to want to try to get that shoe if they're strictly in for reselling. So they'll ask their mom, their girlfriend, boyfriend, their best friend to try for them, which is great. It brings more people in the community, but it makes it a little bit harder. And that's why on average, people have a much higher failure rate than a success rate. And pat on the back to you, you should be celebrating. If you've ever won back-to-back, quote-unquote, premium or hype releases on sneakers through the draw, because that is almost unheard of. An example, I'm going to give you my Nike sneakers history in terms of, you know, what I've won since the app came out. And I've been on the app since 2015. And you can tell because my first win, my first order was actually the October 1st, 2015 release of the Nike Air Jordan 1 Retro Chicago. It was my very first win on sneakers. A great win. I wear them every day and I'm stoked to have them. I was ecstatic to win. After that, on November 19th, 2015, I won the OVO Air Jordan 10. Tremendous shoe. And then from a few months later, I won the Just On 2 on January 30th, 2016. Here again, I tried for releases in between, didn't win, but you can see I have a much higher win rate. And then, continuing to try for releases that I'm going to wear and that I like, from 2016, January 30th, 2016, when I bought the Just On 2s, up until March 24th, 2018, a full two years in between trying for releases, trying to purchase shoes on the Nike sneakers app, I have zero wins, zero orders through the sneakers app. On March 24th, 2018, I get the Tinker Air Jordan 3, and that's the the gap that happens in between 2016 and 2018. And then from there, I do get a few more wins throughout there, including Travis Scott 4s, Satin Shattered Backboards, Travis Scott 1s, and things of that nature. However, what you have to remember is that two-year hiatus, I was trying every weekend to win the shoes that I wanted to. So let's say two, 
or three releases a week are happening or a month are happening, that's 72 releases over the course of two years that I have not won or seen anything on. Then as it gets to 2018 later and I'm winning a little bit more, you have to think about how vast the sneaker world has expanded in terms of releases every weekend. Sometimes on sneakers now, there's six releases in one morning. So if you try for all six, you have a chance that maybe you'll win one or you win none. And so you can see the demand has shifted on sneakers as they've grown, more people have adopted, more people have entered the game. Nike has cut out some of their distributing partners is going strictly through them, through the sneakers app. It's becoming harder and harder to win. So what can they do to make sneakers better? A lot of us know there is a backdoor, a bot problem of people using those type of services to win on sneakers and just flooding in there their entrance to potentially grab a pair. And maybe sneakers shift to one pair per address. So if there is men's sizing, kid sizing, toddler sizing, you could buy all three. But two men's sizing or two toddler sizing, I don't know how they'd want to do it. But that may be a way to eliminate a lot of those bots simply in the checkout process or the draw process where they're running a a robot that says if address equals another address or this close variant, then cancel out. Could be problematic, but it could be a way to give a more of a fair chance to users who are trying in with their one accounts with the same address to win. And maybe they are eliminating that on the back end. We aren't sure, but it doesn't feel that way because you're seeing people who are winning on sneakers on a shoe that sold out almost instantly ending up with 10 or 15 pairs from that release on sneakers alone. Maybe they start rewarding non-premium purchases and members, right? Sneakers is built on the foundation that it is only premium product being sold there. So they should be rewarding individuals who are going through Nike and buying regular workout apparel or socks or regular shoes, Pegasus, Nike Freeze, regular basketball shoes, giving them some additional additive because that customer is providing much more to Nike on a frequent basis than maybe the kid who's only coming in once every now and again to get the most sought after shoe. Doesn't have to negate that kid, but maybe it gets those users who are frequently buying on the Nike app or buying and using their Nike members pass that you can use in retail to get special discounts and offers, they're rewarding those users, maybe giving them a modifier of a 5% or 10% boost to purchase the shoe or something of that nature. In the same relation, maybe it's rewarding membership duration, right? If you've been a member of the sneakers app for three years or five years, six years going on from the beginning, maybe they will reward you not with directly purchasing a sneaker, but maybe they give you a heads up of, hey, this shock drop is about to happen in 15 minutes. Maybe they give you a heads up on releases coming in. Maybe they give you the option for one sneakers win a year. Maybe they give you something for being rewarded for being a frequent member of the Nike ecosystem. That membership duration, meaning you've bought at least one thing per consecutive year. So four things over four years. Maybe that's how they reward you. Another way to give those who are spending tons of money on maybe their kid shoes or their family apparel or accessories from regular Nike, the additive to 
purchased maybe a sneaker that is nostalgic to them and has that intrinsic value, as opposed to those individuals we know who spent thousands of dollars on regular inline Nike product and would like to get their hands on the Jordan 4 Fire Red coming up because they loved it as a kid and they have memories. However, they have no chance, even though they've spent all this money to go into Nike's ecosystem, they don't feel rewarded as opposed to someone that's their only purchase of the year, right? Not saying that isn't problems there, but there is a way you could do it to balance the scales a little bit more. Why not go into more depth about their bot protection? Maybe they take what Union did and add that fill in the blank trivia question. Maybe they do trivia questions. Maybe there is a way to confirm that an actual user is using a phone, right? You get 10 minutes to enter, you get to enter that information, you go. And if you get lucky enough to do three manual phones, great, good for you on three different accounts. However, it would prevent a lot of bots if you had a multi-layer system that was weeding out these answers and testing the limits of those bots, whether it is a CAPTCHA, a fill-in-the-blank, trivia, multiple choice, things like that to filter that out to the people who truly want the product and know the background. Very similar to the Ben and Jerry's dunk. They did a great job there. No one was mad about the trivia because that just means you weren't as invested in getting that shoe. In that same chapter, just general transparency. I think that's the biggest thing a lot of people have an issue about is what is going on on the sneakers app? A lot of people think that they've been blocked on sneakers, that they can't win that their payment is being blocked and they aren't being notified because they go on from this account that they've had for four years, trying every weekend, and then they say, ah, you know what, I'm going to build a new account. I'm going to use a new email. And then they win three releases in a row. Is that Nike favoring new accounts over old accounts? Did they shadow ban or block this other account? Is there something that's being factored into the back end that is preventing someone from purchasing or helping someone purchase? No one really knows. In the same vein, how is early access distributed? Because there's some people who have purchased many times on sneakers and never had early access. Maybe there's some people who have never shown interest on sneakers. They just download the app one time and see all these expired early accesses. Maybe someone has a ton of interest for Kyrie and the Nets and Cleveland and Duke and is what you could figure is a Kyrie fan. And they never get access to any Kyrie products, as opposed to the guy who is strictly a LeBron fan or a Paul George fan gets all the Kyrie access. Why is that happening? What is factoring in? That lack of transparency is a huge issue in today's growing digital environment of not knowing how it's happening or if you're getting a fair chance. And lastly, my favorite. My favorite idea. I'm a big proponent. Some people don't. Give us a pre-order. One year in advance, you know you're putting these into production in some cases, maybe seven or eight months in advance. Maybe giving that option as a pre-order. I would be more happy if I could buy the LeBron championship pack. Say it wasn't even going to come out until 2021, right? LeBron just won. I would pre-order now. And for then, I would wait that long to get the shoe. Travis Scott's, Sean Watherspoon's, original colorways of the Jordan 1 or the Jordan 4 or 11, whatever it is, giving you that option to say, hey, I am interested now and I want to buy it now. That way, the people who truly want the sneaker are going to be able to get it. Nike is more likely to make more money because more people who are trying to purchase that would have failed get to purchase the shoe. And you're having a little bit of less combat. 
I don't think there's any downside. People say, oh, it's going to flood the market. I would be perfectly happy if everyone who wanted a pair of Chicago ones could get a pair rather than spending $1,200, $1,600, $2,000 on a pair. Shattered backboards, whatever it was, that you have the opportunity to get in advance because it makes things a lot less stressful, makes things a lot easier. You get what you want. And at the end, those who do miss out on that pre-order that's open for 12 hours, there is still a resale market in the future. Who knows? That's some of the options. That last one doesn't really help sneakers, but I'd much rather pre-order nowadays and go through all the hassle that is online sneaker releases. With that being said, as much as sneakers is, you know, troublesome and irritating to some, I think it's overall a really great app. I mean, think about how easy it is. If you remember the early days when bots first came into the market and they were crashing the foot sites, East Bay Foot Locker champs for hours, the way sneakers works, I wake up, set an alarm for 6.55, roll over, find the shoe, click on it, already has my size, hit purchase, and I either go to pending or it goes to the draw, I turn over, go back to bed. That's all I have to worry about. I don't have to think about actively sitting there and refreshing the queue, trying to get through this throttle, trying to get through this queue, getting there, getting cart sniped, all of this other stuff that comes with it. And you've seen it's been successful with the sneakers app, Adidas confirmed, what Adidas just did with Ivy Park, giving members early access to find what they wanted and give payment information to get ahead of the bots was clever as well. I think there's a lot of ways sneakers can go. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on where sneakers could be better or your general opinion if you use it or if you deleted it and why that is. I hope you guys enjoyed this segment on the Nike Sneakers app. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with cool content and upcoming releases. Take a minute. Just look down at the shoes you're wearing right now or the shoes your favorite NBA player is wearing or the brand that sponsors your favorite college football team. Sneakers and the business that they're a part of matter, and you didn't even know it. The Kicks You Wear newsletter dives deep into the footwear and sneaker industry covering subjects ranging from trending sneaker topics, company finances and expectations, industry commentary, and more. But the best part is the community you join. The Kicks You Wear newsletter hosts a weekly thread seeking your opinions, stories, and conversation around a specified question of the week. Further, show off a photograph of your sneaker of the week in the Twitter chat on Thursdays for the hashtag KicksWeWear section of the newsletter. And did I mention that there's two newsletters a week? So make sure to visit kyw.substack.com or visit the link in the show notes below to dive into all things sneakers every Monday and Friday with the KicksYouWear newsletter by Mike Sykes. All right, cool content. And I think I manifested it. I talked about getting my hands on a pair of auto lacing shoes, and I finally did. I got the Nike Adapt 2.0s in that mag colorway, and I'm being honest, they're the coolest shoes I've had in hand, I think, ever. Just that technology, the sounds they make, how unique it is and different it is from lacing up a Jordan 1 is awesome. Everyone enjoys looking at them. They think they're super cool and unique. I think it's a really fun and a cool piece of sneaker history. The downside I'm going to say is, I don't know when I'm going to wear them. Living in the Pacific Northwest in Portland, it rains pretty frequently and they have that translucent outsole. So I don't really know if they're going to look great when they yellow. So I'm going to be kind of careful there. But I really think they're a, a rad shoe. 
and I'm looking forward to see the line progress as time goes on. Further, congrats to the LA Dodgers on the World Series Championship. Not a huge baseball watcher on TV, I watch a game live, but I think once again, similar to the NBA, it was a very tough season and they made it through. Congrats to them winning, and the city of LA just seems to be on fire right now, so congrats if you're an LA fan, I hope you picked up some sweet gear. Looking forward to what the next seasons come and how sports in 2021, if it stays the same or if we get a little bit back to the normal, so to speak, or if this is our new normal. But with that being said, we have upcoming releases for Sunday, November 1st through Saturday, November 7th. Here we are starting with the Adidas D-Rose 11 in the Brenda colorway. Crazy that D-Rose has still got a signature shoe. Excellent player. Former MVP, love to see him still pushing through and Adidas supporting the line. Those come out on November 1st. Then we get the Nike PG4 Clippers. We get an Adidas Ultra Boost DNA Multicolor. Then we get the Adidas Women's Ultra Boost Winter RDI Cloud White Signal Pink. There's kind of a lot going on with that Women's Ultra Boost, but maybe up your alley. Wow, this is actually Adidas What the Core Black. Interesting to see Adidas almost verbatim take the What the collection from Nike, going all the way back to the What the Dunk. It's interesting to see them use that exact language in their releases for this Ultra Boost in the Ultra Boost core to see what they will continue to do or not continue to do. Those also come out on November 1st. We get on November 4th the Adidas Star Wars pack. Shout out to The Mandalorian, which just came out to Disney Plus for the second season. If you're a fan, I would suggest checking it out if you enjoy Star Wars or just looking for a TV show because you're out of content from the pandemic. There's a slew of colorways that come out with that Star Wars pack in an NMD, a Superstar, a Top 10, and a Gazelle. We see the Puma Calibrate Runner Mono Vaporous Gray that comes out on November 6th. Very similar to the Adidas 4D model with that outsole. Then probably one of the most sought after releases going to be the Sakai Nike Vapor Waffle Black and Sale coming out on the 6th. Those will retail for $180. You'll be sure to see those on the sneakers app. Not my cup of tea. I like their original project, but I think some people really enjoy this kind of high-end streetwear look, and I'm sure these will be tough to get. We also see the Reebok Question Mid Gridiron. Looks like a, a Dallas Cowboy colorway or a Georgetown colorway. We see the Adidas Yeezy 700 V3 Safflower, Saffron Flower. Kind of cool. Reminds me of an Attack on Titan, if you've seen that. That's what the colorway reminds me of. Those come out on the 7th, once again, for $200. Then that will be it for our releases of November 1st through November 7th. I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. I look forward to hearing your feedback on the Nike Sneakers app, or if you're going after any of these upcoming releases, including the Adidas What The Pack. Very interesting. Once again, still didn't know they were doing that. And we'll see if that continues. Overall, I appreciate you guys' time for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I'll catch you next week.